Um, if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Acts chapter 20, that's where we're going to be tonight is Acts chapter 20. As you're turning there, I just want to express thanks uh, once again, because I just think it's, it's owed and it's due uh, to this congregation, to, to all of you that, that are here tonight, um, especially if you've been able to be here uh, each time since Sunday. Uh, that's a great encouragement to me. I want to appreciate, uh, just show appreciation to people who have been so hospitable and so kind and generous. Uh, thank you so much for all you've done for the Renfros, for the Grays. I always get nervous when I'm going to start naming people because I'm going to forget someone, but I think I got the name so far. Uh, but for the Renfros, for the, for the Grays, and obviously for the Phillips um, tonight. Um, and also thankful just for, for Bob, I, I think I can say first name basis, right? That's, that's okay. Um, I don't have to say Uncle Bob from the pulpit forever. Um, but thankful for Bob and for, uh, for Simon and for Alan. And um, just, we're just really grateful for, for them, for the, the opportunity to be with you this, this week. Uh, the invitation, which is humbling and was uh, very interesting to, to get that invitation. Just, just very thankful. And good to see a friend of mine that I met while I was in Jerusalem several years ago walk in. That was, that was good, to see, good to see you as well. So um, anyway, I, I appreciate you all and it's just thankful for this, uh, for this time we've had together so far. We've got one more night uh, after tonight, and that's going to be tomorrow night. We're going to finish up the third missionary journey of Paul tomorrow night. And what we're going to talk about is evangelism and how disciples desire more disciples. So that's what we're going to focus on tomorrow night. I thought that tonight would be a good follow-up to last night because we talked about discouragement, and so I thought we would talk about encouragement tonight, and how disciples are to be people that encourage one another. Last night, we, we didn't really talk about how sometimes we can be discouragements to each other because, uh, well, that's not the focus of what we were looking at. We were looking at how the world and our community, our society, other people can provide opportunities for discouragement and difficulty for us and how we need to rise above that. How, how can we handle that, prepare for that, and move forward as Christians that are longing for the resurrection? That was really the, the, the end point last night, was that no matter what's happening in this life, we got the resurrection. Christ promised, promised it to us. Um, he, he made sure that we understood. He made sure that all those disciples with him uh, would pass it down, that the resurrection is at the heart of what we believe in our faith. Uh, and so that's what we need to carry with us today. So tonight we're gonna talk about how we need to be encouraging one another. Of course we need to be doing that, because we live in a world that provides discouragement. So let's go ahead and start in Acts chapter 20. We're going to start with just the first couple of verses, and then we're going to continue as we, as we go and make some points. All right, so just to make the point uh, and reiterate what's just happened, there's been a riot that is in Acts chapter 19, and uh, Paul has had to stop. He, he's not able to preach anymore. Uh, Demetrius and many other people that were... Uh, I guess very influential in this area because they loved their goddess Artemis so much, uh, they stirred up the people. Eventually the town clerk dismissed everyone and said, you need to calm down and uh, you need to dismiss and you need to disperse and go to your homes or else we're going to get in trouble for rioting. But, but it was a really difficult thing for these Christians, I would assume, to have gone through. Uh, they, they were, their lives were threatened. Uh, they, they actually arrested two, or not maybe not arrested, but they grabbed two of the disciples and they held on to them. And then we get in chapter 20, verse 1. It says, After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed from Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. All right, we'll stop there for a second. So Paul, if you just think about the past two nights that we've been looking at Acts 19. Paul 
um, he was preaching in the synagogues, reasoning with people. That happened for a few months. Then he can't do it anymore because people become just, just really loud and boisterous with their opposition. So he can't continue teaching in the synagogue. So he's got to stop that. So now he starts going to this hall of Tyrannus, a, a schoolhouse, it seems. So he starts teaching there, and he's there for, I guess, around two years, it says. And then after that time, and after there's actually the, uh, a good progress and success, where it says that in verse 20 of chapter 19, that the word of the Lord continued and prevailed mightily. Well, now he's got this problem where a riot is stirred up. And so now it's just dangerous for, for him. He can't just go and do what he wants to do and teach people. But look what Paul does here in verse 1. He calls all the disciples together, and he encourages them. You know, Paul's an incredible person and a great example for us for a lot of reasons. One of those reasons should be that even in spite of all the reasons he has to be discouraged and down and feel beat down, somehow he just focuses on encouraging other people. And that needs to be a good example for us. And then it says that he goes through other regions in verse 2, and he gives them much encouragement, and then he gets to Greece. I imagine that there were other bumps in the road along the way, but he still is encouraging people. That's what Paul did, and that's the example that I, I'm going to submit to you tonight that we need to follow. Before we actually talk about what it means to encourage, I thought I would just make sure we understand what it means to discourage. You know what it means to discourage is to deprive of confidence, of hope, to to be met with something that is just daunting. That's, that's what discouragement is. To dishearten someone is to discourage them. Some ways that we might discourage people or that we might be discouraged is when expectations are not met. We have the bar up here, we expect this, we're hoping for this, and it comes up short. That's discouragement. Maybe people make promises and they don't keep them. Well, that's discouraging. Discouragement comes when there's division and jealousy. That's a discouragement for anyone that's around. Discouragement also comes when people flaunt wealth and personal success. Um, I mean, it, that's not discouraging for the person doing the flaunting, it's, but it's discouraging for other people around. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where one person tells a really funny story or says something like that, and then the, ne then the next person, they've got a funnier story. You're, you usually don't think, well, how am I making that first person feel? I mean, because you just get caught up in, in the moment, right? But when we do that with brethren, when we do that with anyone, really, I mean, we really could be a discouragement. When we're flaunting what we have, there's always someone that doesn't have that. Um, we we're pre presenting an opportunity for discouragement. And the last thing I think that we need to understand is that fatigue, just getting tired, and also failure, that, that presents opportunities for being discouraged. That's actually everything that Paul has had happen to him just recently. He has had expectations that probably have been unmet. There has been jealousy, it seems to me, or at least anger and, and jealousy over the attention that he's getting. There's been division. Uh, he has not been able to continue to preach to some people because of how divisive some have been. There are very wealthy people in, in this town of Ephesus that have been, uh, I guess, prideful and arrogant about what they have. And so they're, they're stirred up by that, and they pursue Paul and the other disciples. And I suppose at times he felt like he was just getting tired, and maybe that he had failed. But yet he goes around encouraging. So this is what it means to encourage. 
You know, encouraging, encouragement is one of those words, kind of like long-suffering, where if you've ever heard the definition, uh, like in a Bible class, the first person that raises their hand always uses the very word in the definition. Like, what does it mean to, to long, to, uh, what does long-suffering mean? To suffer long. It's like, okay, well, that, that, that kind of helped, kind of didn't. And, and encouragement is also one of those. To encourage is to give courage. But it's more than that. It means that we give someone confidence. We try to increase their hope and success. I really like a couple of these other words that we, that encouragement means, or to encourage someone means that we, that, to animate, to incite or in spirit. So when I think of animate or incite or in spirit, I think of something that is kind of like lifeless. And, and somehow we just like infuse this energy to bring it to life. And it seems like that's exactly what we can do for one another. You know, there, there are many of us that have times where we just feel very lifeless. We feel very fatigued in our faith. There are times we get very discouraged and beat down. And what we need is we need one another. We need someone else that's around us, a fellow Christian, a fellow disciple that's in this walk, in this fight, to actually animate us, to like give us and infuse us with energy and hope and confidence to encourage us. Barnabas is probably the most popular example of this that I could think of, and maybe you thought of him too. In Acts chapter 4, his name is not Barnabas, but his name is changed by the apostles to Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, because he sells a whole field and gives it to people, or provides it, gives it to the apostles, they can provide it for other Christians that he doesn't even know. I mean, there's thousands of people, I'm sure he didn't know all of them. Barnabas is our example of encouragement. So if we go back to Acts 20, why would Paul have to give the disciples courage before he left? Well, do they have much reason to have hope that they will be successful? That they will be able to continue being faithful in the town of Ephesus? I think they have a lot of reasons to be discouraged, to have a lack of hope. So Paul knows they need to be encouraged before I go. So that's exactly what he does. You know, we can be in the same situation, which I think really helps us understand that we too need times of encouragement. And we too need times of refreshing. That's another word that, that kind of came up when I was studying this idea of encouragement is that there are times of refreshing. Um, let's, go, let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is actually a really interesting passage when we consider our theme for this week. 1 Thessalonians 5, let's start in verse 1. Paul says to, to the Christians here, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. We talked last night that we're in like a dark time and what we need to look forward to is the resurrection, Christ coming back. And I think that's exactly what Paul is reminding them of. But he says in verse 4, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, of, of, for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. 
Like this is describing the situation that we were talking about last night where we look around our world and we just feel like it's darkness and darkness and we feel like it's consuming the light. We're trying to be lights, but it's just difficult. But then look at verse 11. This is, this is his takeaway. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We know that we need to be looking forward to Christ's return. We know that we need to not have our faith in this life and that everything's going to be okay, but rather in the life to come, the life that, that Christ has promised. But yet we still get discouraged. You know who we need to lean on in times where we're discouraged? Our brothers and sisters. We need to encourage one another. We all have times where we need encouragement. And instead of looking to our bank accounts to find encouragement, Instead of looking to family members that don't share the same faith, but they are very successful, so we just, we just need some encouragement from them. Instead of looking to any of those other people, mentors that might have some good advice of how to get ahead in this life, instead of looking to any of those people, we need to look to one another. And it's just a sad situation when you feel like you don't have anyone around you to look to. There's no one you can text. No, no disciple, no, no Christian, no brother or sister that you can just say, hey, I'm struggling right now, and I need some help. There's a, there's a guy th that I worship with that I, I don't think he has ever really been part of a, 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 what I'll call a church family. He's never really had true, like, brothers and sisters to be there for him. So one day he just felt really distraught, and he sent a text, like a mass text to, I don't even know how many people, um, to a lot of guys, though. He said, I'm really struggling right now. I could use some prayers. You know how many guys got together with him in the next four or five days? I think it was like six or seven guys. We have a small church, by the way. I should clarify that. It's like not, not a church of a thousand people, and he only got five people reach out to him. I think of, of, of like 10 or 12 guys, half the guys at the church were there for him. And th that just filled me up when I heard that. I, I was just hearing, I was like, oh, yeah, I got together with so-and-so the other day. I was like, oh, man, you did too? And, you, and when, we, when you know that's possible, when you know that's available, you know what it does? It encourages you to utilize one another more in the future. That's what we're supposed to do for one another. This is exactly the kind of message we need today. We don't need to encourage one another to keep an eye on the stock market. We don't need to encourage one another to turn on the news and, and just, you know, get our hope from that. We need to encourage one another to lean into the body of Christ, to lean into one another, to encourage one another to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who's coming back one day. We need to try to meet each other's needs to give people encouragement. But the greatest thing we need to do is just to get people look to look to God, to remind one another that we look to God. In Acts chapter 3, uh, we're not going to turn there because I just don't think we have time. And in Acts chapter 3, after Peter has healed a lame man, and there's been a whole to-do about that, he says in verse 19, Repent therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. He, this, is, he, this presents an opportunity for him to, to preach. So this is right after Acts 2, where 3,000 people have been baptized. He says, repent therefore, turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. We need to encourage one another, even though we are people, or I'm assuming we are people that have been baptized into Christ, that we already know that that time of refreshing is there. We are forgiven and we receive his Holy Spirit, but we need to encourage one another. Hey, you need to lean to the Lord. You need to draw near to him. Times of refreshing are there if we will just do that. That's what we need to do. Paul was in hard times. These Christians were going through a lot of difficult times, and we have that today too. It might look a little different, but it doesn't lessen the reality that we live in hard times, and we get discouraged sometimes. 
So what I'm going to do is, with the rest of our time, we're going to look at Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read from verse 3 through verse, verse 12. And we're going to bring out just two main points from this, and then we're going to have one other application point. So let's go to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to begin in verse 3. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sobater and the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. So interesting that Luke now seems like he's there, right? He, there's the now where, where we were. Verse 9, and a young man named Eutychus sitting at the window sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. Being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him and taking him in his arms said, do not be alarmed for his life is in him. When Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, he conversed with him a long while until daybreak and so departed. And they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. I think the first point that we get from this as far as our encouragement, how we need to encourage one another, is from verse 4, verse 7, and verse 11. Verse 4, we see uh, Luke lay out several people that were uh, companions of Paul, that were with him. Now, he sent them on ahead, it says in verse 5, but these were people that came and stood by his side. They, they were his co-workers. They, they gave him encouragement, it seems. They, they were his support. We see in verse 7 that he gathers together with the disciples. And then we see in verse 11 that they go up and they, they commune together, they break bread, and they talk for a long while. Our fellowship and our worship is meant to encourage one another. I don't know if, I don't know if there are times where you feel like coming to worship is not the place you need to be right now. But if you ever feel like that, then it's probably the exact opposite. This is probably the very place that you need to be. I know that there have been times when I felt down and I felt discouraged and I just thought, I just don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm not getting much out of this. And you know what? That is a heart problem. Not a heart problem in anyone else other than me. Um, and if you've ever been that way, then I would encourage you to consider your heart. And I would, I, would, I would ask you just to consider that what God has given us to help us to be encouraged, to stir up love and good works among us, the way the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, is he's provided us fellowship with one another and worship together. This is exactly what Paul needed. This is exactly what these Christians needed. And this is exactly what we need. I know that, I know we live in a time where we, we just want, some people, I don't say we, some people just want things to be very exciting. And so the, the, the desire for excitement is what leads them. You're kind of like a hamster in a wheel when you start following that path, though. You're just looking for instant gratification all the time. 
You know what we really need is we, we just need to be with one another, to lean into our fellowship. We need to worship God. I know we need to worship in spirit and in truth, but we need to worship Him. And we need to trust that that is doing something. That is doing something within us. In Philemon chapter 1, Paul says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul says that about, about a man that, that we know, don't know that much about, but he says, I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. We need to be there for one another, to be in fellowship with one another. We need to help each other financially. We need to help each other physically, work side by side. We need to support one another. We need to lift up someone's drooping hands when we see that they're down. You, don't, you, see, someone not, you see that someone is not here that often, or they just seem to be a little bit um, disconnected. Well, help them be connected. Be that connection point. And it's really hard sometimes, but that's what we need to be for one another. We see that they're regularly coming together on the first day of the week. Paul seems to have changed his plans or made sure at least that he was going to be there on the first day of the week. And it was, it was just a common thing it seems that they were going to do. They were going to get together on the first day of the week. You know, worship doesn't get stale when we just consider the God that we're serving and worshiping. Worship never gets stale. I don't care how slow the song is. I don't care how long the sermon is. When you just consider who you're worshiping and how wonderful it is we can worship this God and how wonderful it is that there are other people that want to do that. And we, and we gather here in one room and, and this is happening all across the world in other places. I mean, it's so encouraging. And anytime that we think it's not enough, I would just encourage you to, again, look at your heart. Because when I have felt that, I was the one that was, that was off. It is enough. It's more than enough. So not only do they come together the first day of the week, Paul talks for a long time. I don't know if it was warm where they were or anything like that, but this one young guy just was really tired, starts dozing off, falls out of a window and is taken up dead. You know, this would be a very shocking thing if this happened uh, in one of our churches today. I don't care how long it goes. If someone falls out of a window and is dead, I mean, that, that's going to... That's going to halt the service, and you're going to think, well, what do we do? Paul goes down, and he, he kind of talks like he's not dead, but, but the guy is dead. I don't think there's any, any denying that. He says his life is still in him, but the young man was taken up dead. Paul raised him from the dead. God raised him from the dead through Paul this day. So then Paul goes back up with the young man and with everyone else, conversed with them a long while until daybreak, and then departed. What do you think they were talking about when they got back up in that room? I, I really have wondered about that. Like, what do you talk about after you just saw someone be raised from the dead? I'll tell you my, my, my guess. This is just what my assumption is. I assume they talked about the same things that Paul talks about with every, every other Christian. Every other disciple that he meets with, he's talking about, look at the success of the gospel. Look what God is doing. Look at these, these wonderful things God is doing. I, I bet they just went back up in the room and started talking about that. You know, what we need to do is we also need to share in our service and our commitment. Hearing about service and commitment of others should encourage us. It shouldn't create competition. It should encourage us. There are times where we don't know what other people are doing, and so we just assume no one's doing anything. We shouldn't assume that at all. There are people doing things all the time, just trying to serve, trying to help, trying to minister to someone else that you have no idea about. And that's a good thing, because we shouldn't be flaunting what we're doing. 
But whenever we hear just something, some nice thing that someone did for someone else, that should just fill our hearts. That should encourage us. When we hear about the commitment of others, when we hear about the commitment of disciples that we love, that they're going through hard things, but they're being so dedicated, that should encourage us. When we see our own growth, when we see fruits from our own service in our own lives, we see fruits from God's word in us, that should encourage us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul says that there were these many Christians that refreshed his spirit as well as yours. And he says, give recognition to such people. He encourages them to recognize people that had been very active in their faith and had refreshed his spirit. I don't think we need some sort of like formal recognition of people, but it is very appropriate just to walk up to someone that you've noticed has done something or you just appreciate and you say, hey, I, I, just, I appreciate that prayer, brother. Or you walk up to this person and you say, hey, I, I know that you spend time sending cards to people that, 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 are, that are visitors and that just really encourages me, that refreshes my spirit. We need to hear that from one another. We need that. You know, I, I know that we often, well, I shouldn't say we. I say we as if it's, it's all of you and maybe it's just me. So I'll just say I. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I know I've been there where I think, well, I'm not much of, I'm not an encourager. That's not my gift, you know. Um, does that mean I'm a discourager and I think that that's okay? Sometimes I thought that's okay and that's not okay. We all are to be encouraging one another. There are some people that are just better at it than others, I suppose. I have a friend who, that is just, that really is his gift. I mean, he is able to encourage anyone, and you will believe you can go through a brick wall after he gets done talking to you. Um, I'm the type of person that when he tries to encourage me to run through a brick wall, I'm like, that's not, that's not working on me. And if I see someone that thinks they can do anything, I'm like, well, hold on, let me, let me offer this other view. I'm not sure this is going to work out. And I've had to learn, like, I, I need to shut my mouth. I, I, need, I need to chill out with that. That's not okay. I need, to, I need to be someone that is going to pump energy to incite my brethren to action. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to animate one another. Stir one another up to love and good works. I know you're going through a hard time. You can do this. I'm right here with you. I can't be right there with you, but you know what? I'm going to be thinking about you, and I want you to know God's with you. It's things like that. It's, it's, it's things like that we, we have to remind each other of. Because we can feel so lonely in this world sometimes, even though we assemble with 200 people. We can feel so lonely in our walk with Christ. Sometimes we, we think we are alone. And it's not the case. So we need to encourage one another. We need this, especially after difficult times. This is exactly what Paul has just gone through. This is exactly what these Christians have just gone through. And Paul makes sure to encourage them. I do think uh, one, one thing is really interesting in verse 12 of Acts chapter 20. It says, they took the youth away alive and were not a little comforted. They were a lot comforted. And I don't think it's just because he was healed. I think that's, that's, a, that's a big part of it. But I think it's just everything. It's hearing about the success of the gospel. It's the communion and the fellowship with Paul and these other people. It brought comfort. It brought encouragement to these Christians. And when we share... God's successes, where we see changed lives, where we see that someone, something someone has struggled with for a long time, well, maybe that's not as much of a struggle. When we see that someone is doing a kind deed, and we say, hey, glory to God for that. It brings us comfort. So that takes us to, to the last point that I want to I make tonight. 
Let's go to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. So we need to be encouraging one another through worship, through fellowship. We need to be encouraging one another by sharing and serving one another, ministering to one another, by being examples of commitment to Christ. Acts chapter 15. We're going to go down to verse number, verse number 12. All the assembly fell silent. They listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may see the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from, from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble these Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual morality and from what has been strangled and from blood. And from ancient generations, Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. There, there was a whole thing going on where people were wondering, are these Gentiles really, like, are they really with us? Or maybe they need to become more like us Jews in order to actually follow Christ. There's a whole d division going on. So they convene and they have a conversation. They have a discussion about this. James speaks up here. But then he says, this is my judgment. We just need to write to these Christians, these Gentile believers, and we need, to, we need to give them some instructions. So let's start in verse 22. It seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them, send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. Okay, so the purpose of this letter was to comfort and encourage Gentile Christians who were feeling dismissed and feeling like there was a burden being placed on them by Jewish Christians. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are, who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we've heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we, have get, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood, and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Try and consider and think, put yourself in, in these shoes of Gentile Christians. Would, would this letter really encourage you? If this was read aloud, would you be like, oh, I'm so comforted. I think it's hard for us to understand how this would have affected them and how this would have comforted them. But look at verse 30. When they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced of its encouragement. You know, maybe, maybe this letter doesn't encourage us the same way it would have encouraged them, but, but this is the point that I want to make. 
that we need to remove troubles from fellow disciples. These brethren were troubled. They were worried. They were confused. They did not know what was right. So they just need help. They, they, it actually says, if you go back to, to the verses we were just reading and you look at, um, at verse 24, it says, There were people that had gone out and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds. There are believers today that have unsettled minds. There are fellow Christians that we call brothers and sisters have unsettled minds. They're troubled and weighed down. And the way we try to encourage them and lift them up can go a long way. And we don't need to write a letter to them saying, hey, it's okay, just don't eat blood and don't, you know, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols. It's not the same thing. But what we need to make sure we don't do is toss on another burden, trouble them more. We just need to be very careful that we don't do that. In fact, what we need to do is try to remove a trouble, remove something that is unsettling their minds. Maybe what they need is they just need a little bit of time to discuss some things, to talk some things out. You're going to have to sacrifice some time for one another. And I, by the way, when I say this, it's not because I think you're not doing this. I think, I think that you are doing this. My history with this church says that you do this well. And I'm just trying to encourage you to keep doing this. We needed to try to help one another. We need to try to remove troubles from one another. So just ask yourself, is that what you do? Are you someone that looks out and sees brothers and sisters and you think, I just want to remove troubles from them. I want to help them. I want to unsettle their minds. I, I, I feel like they are just really going through something. Or are you someone that says, you know, I understand they're going through a hard time, but for some reason I just really feel like I need to critique them right now. <laughs> Sometimes we do that, don't we? And I would just, I would just say we, we, need to, we need to really, really not do that. What we need to do is we need to say, hey, I'm here for you. I love you. Let's, let's study God's word together. Let's draw comfort from him. Let's draw strength from him. Let's let his word be really planted within us, and let's start seeing some fruit from his word in our lives. Do you do what you can to remove what troubles people, or do you shake your head and just think, well, better than me? I don't, I don't think that you do that. But we need to make sure we don't do that. We need to provide the strength and encouragement from the gospel to each other. We need to remind each other of the promises of God. We need to help settle and focus each other's minds on Christ. We need to look to Him. We need to set our minds on things that are above. And that's hard. So we need to help one another do that. We need to give each other courage in this church. And I know you do that. You've always done that for me, so I assume you do that for, for so many people. But let's keep emboldening one another, inciting each other to action. Let's animate each other. Let's pump energy and encouragement into one another so we produce love and good works. So I guess my question for, for you today is, are you troubled? Are you weighed down? Do you need something? Do you need prayers? Do you need encouragement? Well, if you're here and you are feeling very discouraged, well, come to this group and ask for help. Draw strength and encouragement from this group. They will be here for you. If you need to come to Christ, if you need encouragement in times of refreshing that only comes by being baptized into Christ, then we are here for you for that as well. Won't you come as we stand and as we sing?